Thanks to Sure Payroll for sponsoring today's episode. If you're a small business owner, you know payroll and payroll taxes can be a headache, but it doesn't have to be. Sure Payroll helps simplify payroll services with just three easy steps, and it's entirely online. To learn more, visit surepayroll.com/fool and get a free quote. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool. He's also the advisor on Motley Fool's Rule Your Retirement newsletter, and also a, a soon coming soon new service from oh, the Motley yeah. you'll Fool. Oh yeah, you'll just have to wait on I'm just that one. Tease that one a little bit. We also have a very very special guest today. It's David Gardner. He's the co-founder and chief rule breaker of the Molly Fool. I am excited to be back on Answers. I, I think Love I make it. There, there's one or two reasons a year that I'll, I'll, I'll make it on, and I'm really excited about our reason today. So I think thank it's going to be great. Yeah, this is I'm totally psyched. I am too, because today you're going to talk about productivity and the tools that you use to focus on what matters, to stay on task, and just be... I've, I've written down in my notes that you're a productive juggernaut. I don't know. Is that fair? <laughs> um, I, I, I will absolutely accept that. I, Guilty as charged, Allison. Will, That's the I best compliment that I've received in the last 10 years, and that includes things that my family would have said about yeah. me. I don't, know. I don't even that's know if that's awesome. a thing, but I'm saying it. It is yes. now. So, productive juggernaut, David Gardner. <laughs> also, he founded a little company called The Molly Fool. Maybe you've heard of it. All right. We'll also answer your question about how much of your portfolio should be in one stock. And we're going to, of course, close out. There's an app for that with reviews for a few productivity apps. All that and more on this week's episode of Molly Fool Answers. It's time for Answers Answers. And today it comes from Tony in Japan. Hi, Tony. People in Japan listen to the show. It's so cool. Konnichiwa. <laughs> Uh, I also used to know how to say good morning in oh, oh Ohio, gozaimasu. I think that's how you say good morning. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Right, you are a language juggernaut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Beer is also biru, so that's fun. Remember that one. That one's important. All right, whatever. Let me move on. Let's get to Tony. You still there, Tony? All right. Tony writes, I hit a home run by buying Amazon back in 2001. I sold a bunch of shares over the years as it continued to rise, but still have a fair number left. I'm reluctant to sell more, as I believe the future is still bright, but as a single holding, it's now about 10% of my total individual stock portfolio and 3% of my net worth. Do you normally hang on to big winners, even when they become a larger position than you intended? Well, Tony, uh, your email reminded me of a conversation I had with a member a few years ago, because not only did he also live in Japan, but he had more than 50% of his portfolio in Amazon stock because he actually worked for Amazon. Oh, wow, yeah. So mm. I gave the typical financial planner speech about how you shouldn't have too much in your portfolio. And said, remember what happened to the people who, at Enron and WorldCom? And he said, Yeah, I know about that because I did this with my previous employer, had more than 50% of my stock, lost everything, hmm. and here he was doing it again. So I totally understand how. I mean, it's very difficult to let go. Investors who love too much. Yes, Aww. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I understand how that's difficult. If you look at standard financial planning advice, people will tell you you should limit the amount you have in one stock to about five to ten percent of your portfolio. So Tony, you're kind of pushing that. There are different factors to consider. First of all, if you work for the company, I would pare it back even more because then you have your investment capital and your human capital all in the same company. It also depends on what the rest of your portfolio looks like. If you have, if the other 90% of your portfolio are some companies similar to Amazon, then you're not very diversified. If it's very different, then maybe you can have a more concentrated holding in one stock. Now, 
how much you should have in one stock as well as how many stocks you should own is, is one of those things that among Motley Fool investors is kind of debatable. We all have very different opinions. So I'm going to turn to David Gardner for his opinion, because it might be a little different. And he is someone who has done this Amazon journey as well, as someone who's owned the stock since 1997. Well, and I, I at different points over the course of my um, 30 years of investing, which is a lot, but not nearly as many as many others who are listening to us right now. So I'm always um, conscious that there's a lot more to learn for each of us, even at the age of 50, whatever we are, Robert and not Allison. Um, <laughs> so, so I. I the way that I've actually lived my life, I've been comfortable with 10% plus positions. So, um, but I, I know myself pretty well, and I also know that um, a lot of my own net worth is tied up in the Motley Fool. Um, so, so I that's enabled me to allow my stock market positions to grow outsized, and it's happened not just from Amazon. It's happened um, back in the 1990s. It was AOL. Became more than fifty percent at one point of my portfolio. That's what happens if a stock goes up two hundred times in value over six years, Ugh. and you let it go. Um, or more recently, and this is a great day for Netflix investors. Netflix um, is an outsized position in my portfolio. So, so I, I think that um, it comes down to how much you need the money, what your own risk tolerance is, what your backup plan is. One thing I really like Tony mentioned is I, I like that he said that it's three percent of his net worth. So yes, you should actually not just think of it in terms of your portfolio, but what you have overall in this world. Um, probably as long as everything keeps going well at the Motley Fool. I could probably literally afford to lose my entire investment portfolio and still be a pretty happy guy. So this is why it's all contextual. Each of us is in a different place, not just where we are in terms of our age, but and not just in terms of our own mentality, but really I think it comes down to a weird combination of time, who you are and who's dependent on you. And so I think that's a good answer. What you gave Robert is, is how mutual funds run for the most part. Mutual funds um, can't usually hold a position more than five percent. So that's why the, the the thinking that you have is aligned, and why it's good standard. It's the rules of bridge. I always go back. I know we need to move on, so I'll just close by my answer by saying that you know if you've ever played the card game bridge, uh, which I have not that well, but I've played it extensively over the course of a long period of time. You you need to learn all the rules to to bid, to know how to bid. One spade, pass. Um, two hearts. What does that mean? Um, and so, once you learn all those rules, now you're ready to really play bridge. And the the best players know when to break the rules. And so, um, this is there's a little bit of rule breaker vibe here in my answer. But the best players know when to break the rules, but they're taking a risk to do so, and they know uh, the downside of being burnt. In the case of uh, cards, it's a bad hand. In the case of uh, your wallet or your net worth, it's much, much more important. So I think we each have to get to know ourselves, our time, and uh, and proceed accordingly. But I, I personally have broken a lot of the rules uh, when it comes down to asset allocation by le- letting big stocks like Amazon um, grow and not selling them and letting the great... Co- if you're looking at the company and you believe that Amazon's going to be relevant five, ten years from now, or Netflix, the list goes on, then I feel comfortable with that. Final, final, final answer for me that I kick it back <laughs> to the stars is that one thing you can do is, um, Tony, you can systematically sell off portions. Um, so you could just say for any position that I have, if it's outsized, let's say it's 18% of your portfolio, 
How about this? How about over the course of the next eight years, sell off one percent of that stock of your eighteen percent, I should say, um, every year, so that you're down to ten percent over the course of the next eight years. In other words, and it doesn't matter where the stock is at that point. It might be down. It might be up. You just systematically, and I'm picking arbitrary numbers and timeline here, but systematically sell down a portion over time, and because uh, you're going to be able to redeploy the funds. Thanks again to Sure Payroll for sponsoring today's episode. If you're a small business owner, there's a way to be more productive. Oh, hey, look at that! Perfect. This is perfect. so perfect. Uh, you can get more efficient by managing your payroll, and the people at Sure Payroll are here to help. They will help simplify your payroll process with just three easy steps, and it's all online. And as soon as South Camp Industries takes off, <laughs> we're using them to manage our leather clogs, loofah, and whiskey conglomerate. I've already decided that. In the meantime, if you run a small business such as a restaurant, dentist office, charitable foundation, or even a little tech startup, you can check it out at surepayroll.com/fool. All right, as a reminder, David Gardner, co-founder and chief rule breaker of The Motley Fool, is joining us in studio today. And David also has his own podcast, Rule Breaker Investing. So if you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. Uh, and he's here to talk about how to be more productive. This is the last in our series of how to be more blank in 2017. <laughs> so we did wealthier, healthier, happier, and we're going to close it out with more productive. Right. So, David, thank you for joining us. I am honored. Well, I, that's Truly. a bit strong. I'm I hope I add some value. Every time we ask David, I'm always like, "Hey, do you think David? You know, should, oh, David, will you be on the show?" And he's always like, "So." Um, open to helping us out, and I'm always like, "Wow, David, <laughs> David said yes. He's got so many other more important things to do." I love your podcast. I'm very pleased to be here. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm going to try to give shorter answers than I gave with my Amazon answer. That was no, an outstanding. As, you answer. can talk as long as you want. So I'll kick this off just a little bit, but why we're talking about productivity with money, and I think really, in my experience talking to clients when I was a financial advisor, and when I talk to either members or even full employees, which I do as part of my job. One thing I often hear people say is, yeah, I've been meaning to do that, but I haven't gotten around to it. It might be increasing your contributions to the 401k, opening the college savings account, getting a life insurance, getting a estate plan. There's all these things we know we need to do to get our, our finances on firmer footing, but we haven't gotten around to it. So, as for my own productivity journey, um, I am biologically, physi physiologically made to be unproductive. I am <laughs> distractible. I am scatterbrained. I am a slow reader and writer, which is a problem because that's like seventy percent of my job. So, I did a lot of reading about productivity about a decade ago, and I stumbled across a book called "Getting Things Done" by a guy named David Allen. And that was then when I found out that David Gardner here also has a mutual admiration for David Allen, and actually has had David Allen come to the company a couple of times. So that is why we asked David Gardner to be a part of the show. So welcome, David. Thank you, Robert. Would you consider yourself a naturally productive person? Um, no, I would not. In fact, it wasn't until probably my early 30s when I first read Getting Things Done, David Allen's book. Um, a lot of people use the acronym GTD. If you're part of the cult, then you already instantly recognize what GTD stands for. It stands for Getting Things Done, David Allen's uh, I think it was early 2000s book. Yep. So um, I, I was desperate 
to be more productive at that at that stage. We had three young kids. I was in my early 30s. The Motley Fool was humming. I was doing things like book tours, needing to pick stocks, uh, needing to help run the company, um, and and lots of lots of other things besides. And, and plus, I wanted to have fun. I, that's that's a big part of being productive is getting the stuff done that you don't want to do that you have to do in order so that you can do what you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the things I try to do these days is free up as much time as possible for myself. So, part of being productive is a completely selfish aim to just be able to do the stuff that I want to do in life. Got you. Would you say that you have an actual system at this point? And the GTD, GTD is a system, although David Allen will point out that there are a lot of ways to do things. There's no one particular right way. And I will point out that you had him on a guest, uh, as a guest on your podcast in December, two episodes, and certainly recommend those if you're not familiar with David Allen. Um, but would you say you have a system? I, I wouldn't say I have a system. Um, I know the system. Uh, so if you heard my answer earlier about Amazon talking about the card game Bridge, I've learned the system. But then you start to learn how to tweak it and make it your own. And David Allen himself would be the first to say, "Yes, exactly. You should learn the orthodoxy, and then you should start to be uh, a heretic in whatever way makes sense for you." So I, I don't think of myself as having a system per se. I actually have not read the book Getting Things Done, so now I'm feeling like I am not getting enough things done. Can you uh, <laughs> explain kind of the, the gist of what he's proposing I do to get things done? Philosophically, the main point is that you need a trusted system to capture all your commitments and responsibilities so that you can free up your brain to be more productive, to be more creative. Because if you, if you rely on your brain to keep track of everything, First of all, it's not very good at that, and second of all, it's going to cause you a lot of angst. So, there are five steps, really quickly. The first is to capture all the things. Collect what has your attention. Collect. So, um, he even just suggests you sit down with a piece of paper in the morning, and for five minutes, just anything that pops into your head. I uh, need to pick up um, you know, Charmin. Uh, also need to let my boss know I'm quitting my job. And, and by the way, I, I, yeah, and I need to also get to my kid's kindergarten um, assembly. To speak there, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're just and you just fill that piece of paper, and then you start having collected. Step two is you you clarify and process what that means. So you start saying, okay, well, um, the following two are when I'm in my car, so I'm going to put that in my when I'm in my car list, and then I'm at work list, and maybe talk to my spouse list, and so you start to um, process those, and and then third, you, you then organize it. Okay, I've got car, talk to spouse, and stuff at work. And so, if you have an extra hour, what are you going to do? The classic GTD answer is the first thing you note is what your context is. Because you can't actually go pick up Charmin at Safeway if you're sitting here in Full HQ in the studio. So, all that really matters right now is Full HQ things for us or at work uh, for, for you, whoever you are, if you're at work. And so, you would just look at that context. And then the question is, how do you pull up that context? I, I like to use the computer or apps. So, I use OmniFocus as a, as a Mac person myself. OmniFocus is a pretty comprehensive app for doing this. It's not specifically a GTD app. In other words, it's not data. David Allen's product, but it's people who love what David Allen does and have created a product. There are other other um, listy kinds of apps that you can find. Use you can also use um, a journal or yellow legal pad, I guess. But the key is that what I love to do is just immediately filter, drop down list, filter at work, and then see. Okay, oh that's right, I need to go talk to Allison and Robert and do do the podcast or talk to them ahead of time about what we're going to do on the podcast. So so you know your context and then you're ready to act within that context. Um, 
by the way, I don't want to be too comprehensive here, but just to finish out the five steps, I guess, since I put it out there. So, fourth is that you reflect um, and you review frequently. Um, so, you, 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 if you have stuff you need to do or things you need to say to your partner, make sure you're checking back in with that list. Don't just write it down and then forget to go back to that list. Otherwise, you faked yourself out, right? You externalized it, got it out of your head, but you didn't actually do anything with it. So, f- fifth and final, of course, is just that you do. You engage. You simply do. So those are the to the extent there's a system here, that's that's the foundation of the system. Uh, but there's a lot more to it. There are tropes and things. Maybe we'll t- touch on a few of them. There's enough here that it fills a really good book. Getting mm-hmm. things done was a life changer for me, a life improver for me. Um, but uh, you know, we'll do our best to, to you know give a few more examples to inspire people. Uh, to circle back, Robert, you were saying you know that thing like I need to do this thing. I need to finally do my finance. What you, you kind of opened with that. My reaction to that is anytime you feel like there's something you need to be getting to, and you're not getting to it, the classic David Allen reflection that I've learned is probably you have not determined what your single next action is toward that goal. So you might think I got to get on top of my money to start 2017. Well, that sounds like about a hundred different actions, probably. What's the actual next action? What's the single next physical action? Watching the movie of what you need to do to get on top of your finances in 2017. And all that really matters is that next action, that first step up the mountain, is the only step that matters when you're at zero steps. So, I think determining your next action is like a profound key productivity enhancer. Right. Uh, Another one that I know that you're a big fan of is the two-minute rule. Can you explain that one a little bit? It's a great one. And this is, again, straight David Allen, and you know it too, Robert. So, two-minute rule is as simple as this. Anytime there's something that you need to do, or somebody asks you to do something, if you can do it literally in 120 seconds (laughs) or less, do it right then. might be a quick text, uh, might be a really quick phone call, might just be um, take the garbage out. If it's two minutes, literally, or less, just do it. Because a lot of times we don't. And so we add that to a list, and then you end up with lists upon lists, and you're not getting stuff done, and you just feel stressed. So it's a great productivity enhancer, the two minute rule. And the, the one caveat to that is it has to be two minutes or less. If it's actually five minutes, then you start to distrust yourself when you think about the two minute rule. You start saying, well, uh, you know, I, I'm going to do that. And then you start, if it takes five minutes, then the next time you think about doing something that'll take two minutes or less, You'll start to not do it because you'll be like, "Well, it's more of a pain than I think." Because sometimes it's 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 five minutes or six minutes, and so so literally you have to be kind of hardcore on this. In my experience, two minute rule, two minutes or less, just do it. Got it. So for me, there have been times when I've actually tracked my time, you know, on a spreadsheet, how I spend my day in fifteen minute increments, and have been shocked at how much time I spend on email, and. Here at Motley Fool, we use Slack. And even looking at my computer now, I see I have 38 direct messages on Slack. You are a popular guy. Wow. Well, <laughs> I, I, I've never gotten to 38. Me Alice, it's, no. it's part wow. Of this, it's part of this, I think, this new thing that's coming out. But, anyways, so for groupies, me. Groupies. Yeah, I know. Is that, you're kind of bragging a little bit, aren't you? I've Robert tried. gets stalked around Fool HQ a little bit. <laughs> Look at the pictures they send me. Um, <laughs> Let me just interrupt you really quick. Um, for those who don't know, Slack is, uh, it's like email. It's kind of replacing email. I always think of it as being like AOL Instant Messenger, where you're kind of like in different chat rooms and direct messaging people. That's exactly what it's like. That's exactly, well, there we go. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've tried a couple of things. One is, 
And Allison, I think you even saw this on my desk once. I have like a piece of paper and I have Slack, personal email, work email. I can only check it three times a day. Mm-hmm. And when I've checked it, I have to cross it off and keep track of it. I've also tried to time block it so that I don't really look at things until noon. But it's very hard to resist looking at your email and Slack or whatever else you use for messaging. So how do you handle all that? Here's one thing I did a long time ago, thanks again to David Allen. I turn off the notification that I got an email, whether it's on my computer, like Windows or something flashes in and emails come in. Turn those off. Same thing on your phone, turn off notifications for things that really don't matter. Um, Facebook updates that really don't matter. If emails, if you, you're getting spammed all the time, just turn off all of those kinds of notifications. Make sure you're filtering so that when things come into you and you're looking at it, it matters. You brought up time blocking, and, and, and when I look at some of the things that I've tried, one of the most successful things, or at least the most helpful things, is when I start the day and even the week scheduling certain things. And there are a couple of good books about this. One is Take Back Your Life, another one is Eat That Frog. But basically, a to-do list is unlimited, but your calendar is limited. And if you calendarize your day and work from your calendar, not a to-do list or your inbox, you have a better idea of what you can actually accomplish and what you can actually focus on. Do you ever have something, you know, you, maybe you have a project you're working on, something you have to write, something you have to do for someone else. Do you ever put that on your calendar as, I'm going to work on this thing for an hour or two hours? So, more chapter and verse orthodoxy, David Allen. If you put something on your calendar, you have to, you must respect that and do it. Um, because, again, if you don't, then you'll start faking yourself out. You'll start putting future stuff on your calendar, and then you'll also blow those things off. And so, in the end, how much do you trust yourself? That's fundamentally what this comes down to. You need to create a, a trusted system, and you need to be a figure of trust within that system. So, um, so the suggestion from David Allen is, if you do put something on your calendar, which is a formal step, it's an extra bit of time you just spent to actually put something on your calendar, hardcore state of that. And if you're not going to, then don't put it on your calendar. Keep it on a to-do list, but don't fake yourself out. Gotcha. Very good. Uh, I've noticed a lot of um, people who are into sort of, I guess I will say lifestyle types of books, could be productivity, could be all kinds of other things. They often don't have kids. Mm. David Allen is one of them. Hmm. Um, Have you found that you've had to expand your system to include your wife, to include your kids? How have you been able to coordinate everyone else's to-do lists and everyone else's schedules? So, um, I, really important for me is that I have shared calendars with my wife. So, that's very helpful so we can see what each other's doing. And if you want to have a little private calendar because you um, don't want your wife to know that you're setting up a surprise <laughs> for her birthday. Because, um, yes, that yeah. is exactly that, that what you are doing. That is the reason yeah. you would be doing that. And uh, then, then you can. But, but having a shared calendar with the people that matter to you is a, is a real productivity enhancer. Um, another thing that I think is important is to have uh, David Allen talks in terms of um, 50,000 foot views, 40,000 foot views, etc. So, really quickly, down there at zero feet, we're on the runway. It's whatever's our next action, wherever we are right now, we're on the runway. What are we doing? 10,000 feet up is actually, uh, and, and I'm maybe fudging this a little bit, but you'll get the metaphor. 10,000 feet up is, is the projects, your commitments. So, um, down there on the runway, it's just what's my next task, but um, Allen defines uh, a project as anything that's more than one task. 
So just think of all the different projects. In fact, if you ever have kind of a GTD person hired in to coach you, a GTD coach, the, one of the first things I'll do is get you to list all of your projects. And there's no division between your work life and your family life or any other life. It's all you. And so making sure you understand every single project that you, even if you didn't think of it as a project, something that you're committed to mentally, something you think you're going to do in 2017, that's a project. And so you need to have a full view of that at 10,000 feet. 20,000 feet, 30, 40, 50, these are like, okay, what's my 2017 goals? Or what are my three to five year goals? Or at the top, 50,000 feet, what, why am I here? What is, what is my purpose? What am I actually trying to achieve? And so making sure you spend some time at each of those altitudes. Most of your time, you're on the runway, but making sure you get above that at different points with people that matter, your family, spouse or partner, conversations like that are what keep you, ironically, maybe grounded. Any other particular challenges you have with being productive? Anything that you still struggle with on a regular basis? Well, you know, a key feature to, again, orthodox getting things done is that you do a weekly review. And this is probably where most people fall off the wagon. And and I have, in a way, fallen off the wagon, but in a way, just kind of made it my own. So I, I guess I've just rationalized falling off the wagon. <laughs> but it, you know, the, I don't like that wagon anyhow. <laughs> well, and I don't know about you, you Robert, but because I know you're a GTD yourself. But you know, the weekly review, the idea is to block off an hour or so and look over all your projects. So if you have 117 projects, which is probably about how many projects you have, whoever you are, if you actually are honest with yourself and and list it, then it seems daunting to go over 117 things every week. Now, the truth is you don't need to look over all of the projects. What you do is you look over the next actions for each of the projects. And maybe some of the projects aren't relevant right now, so you could could skip that, but the idea is to look back and kind of re-engage, recommit, and review all of the commitments that you've made to yourself and others on this weekly basis. And I don't, admittedly, if you watch the movie of me in a given month, I'm not doing weekly reviews. Um, for me, the way that I've made it my own a little bit is I think a lot of the time we need to do weekly reviews. It's because we don't want to deal with stuff, so we're like, "Oh, that's right, I do. I do have to tax. Taxes are coming. I quarterly. I have to make the okay. So I will make sure I'm reviewing that and doing that. But what I've ended up doing to make it my own, and this is a weird, idiosyncratic, geeky admission on my part, and I don't often talk about this, but this is why I come on <laughs> Motley Fool Answers, it's a safe, safe space. space with Allison and Robert. Um, is I randomize a lot. So randomizing for me is a game, is gamifying life, and I do that a lot. In fact, I, I read that Tolstoy used to randomize his life decisions, just cast a die and <laughs> go off and do it. And um, become a doctor, write a book. I don't so, know. <laughs> I'm not quite that hardcore, but one of my favorite things to do is have my list of things to do in the day ahead. Start with that in the morning, and instead of being the really disciplined person who tackles the hardest things first, which is indeed what we all should be doing. I tend to randomize. So if I have 10 things, I will, with my die app, I will roll a 10-side <laughs> die and it'll be like, number seven. Great. And there's a weird commitment that I've made that if I roll number seven and number seven is the worst thing, the most wet, prickly thing I don't want to have to do, <laughs> I literally will do it right then. 
And so seven, four, one. And by the end of the day, I'll try to have all 10 done. But it was, I never knew what was going to come next. Surprises are fun for us, <laughs> even sometimes if they're bad. But, but so, so that's, that's how I've made it my own is, is I've kind of taken out weekly reviews and I've just kind of added in gamification and I get enough stuff done that I feel like it works. But just for me, I'm not putting that out for anybody else to do. It's so funny. Leonoid Tolstoy and and I, but nobody else. Uh, now I was trying to come up with a definition of productivity, and and it basically is you know focusing on the most important things and getting them done as efficiently as possible. One little mantra I say to myself sometimes is priorities before frivolities. Um, I say I, hard easy, not easy hard. I say it to kids all the time. Same thing. Yeah, um, and I thought about it during a little talk you gave to our company, in which you told the tale. That involved a very big number, 86,400. So I thought it would be good if we closed out with that because it talks about using a limited resource time to get important things done. So um, I have a, a very short passage I'm going to read, and this is not mine. This, like David Allen's system, it's not mine. It's something that I've learned and something that I love. And so this is from a book called Tie Ins for Life by Joe Shusko, S H U S K O. He is a Marine martial arts instructor. Every U.S. Marine learns martial arts, and those who go through Quantico have learned from the last few decades from Joe Shusko. And one thing he does is he tells the Marines stories that he ties in to the lessons that he's giving as he teaches karate chops or all the different forms of martial arts that they learn. He, he, he ties a story in, because of course that's the best way to learn. So this is a, a tie-in, and it's entitled 86,400 Seconds. And here's how it goes. It, it starts this way. Imagine there's a bank that credits your account $86,400 every day. It carries no balance, and every evening it deletes what you don't use. What would you do with it? Each of us has that bank account. It's called time. Every morning it credits you with 86,400 seconds, and every evening it writes off what you don't use. It has no balance. Each day you have a new account, if you fail to use those deposits, you can't go back. Live in the present. Live for today. The clock is running. Make the best of everything you have. Take responsibility for your life. Make a difference. Write down at the end of the day how you've made a difference. Don't watch the world go by. You would spend every penny of the $86,400, spend the seconds just as well. That's great. Thank you, David, for coming yeah, on. Thank you for putting Motley Fool answers on your to-do list. We really appreciate <laughs> I it. I can't wait for my next appearance. Whatever the excuse is to pull me back, maybe sometime late this summer, I'd love to have me back. Let's uh, talk something else. We'll have you is. back whenever you want. Thank you for your so wonderful much. podcast. I'm so grateful for you both, and I know you got a lot of fans, and deservedly so. And thank you for Motley Pool Answers. Oh, thank you. By the way, the average human heart beats 100,000 times a day. Make every beat count. It's our final episode of There's an App for That. I'm so sad. I've been enjoying you guys coming in and talking about apps. And today we have Mona Shaw again. She's back. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Yeah, it's nice to have you. And of course, she works for Motley Fool Wealth Management, a sister company of the Motley Fool. And we also have Kara Chambers. She is, have you been on the show before? 
Uh, no, I haven't. All right. So Kara Chambers, she works on our people team. And she is, uh, I basically just went right to her and I was like, Kara, can you be on this? Because you are like a person famous for using apps and productivity tools. So you didn't volunteer. No. You were voluntold. My favorite thing. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. <laughs> all right, so we are going to talk about uh, probably four apps today, and just to get it out of the way, these are all four apps that we love. So, yes. not necessarily reviews, but here are some recommendations. All right, Mona, what apps have you brought us today? So today, uh, I wanted to recommend Dropbox and One Password as a way for uh, families to be productive together. One of the inefficiencies about being married or trying to coordinate with your parents is that you want to share documents with them or be able to give somebody a password in case something happens to you. And those are always the troubling things that are like, who do you trust and what, you know, how should we maintain it? And then my password changes and how do I tell them? So uh, for Dropbox, which is a document storage solution in the cloud, uh, my husband and I share an account and you can have separate folders that the other person doesn't see, but you can also share folders. Mona, so, what are you putting in that folder that your husband can't see? <laughs> it's it's my birthday his, gift to him. There you go. There there you we go. are all so concerned about our spouse's birthdays on the show today. <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the things is you know when you get married and you're sharing insurance and you know a mortgage document, et cetera. It's really hard to have both people keep referencing a paper document in your home. It's much easier to have that available on your phone, and both people can uh, can share that and access it when they happen to need it, uh, which makes things a lot easier. It's also encrypted, so for people who are concerned about security, there's definitely safety in, in using the app. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, for people who have aging parents, they might want to be able to have access to their will or other documents that you know um, there would help them help manage their parents' lives a little bit better, and I think that that's a a good way to go as well, so that you can make sure if something does happen, chaos is reduced and you're able to to proceed as you need to. With one password, uh, I know that I uh, immediately when uh, I got married and we combined our finances. We started using his uh, checking and savings account, which meant that when I called the bank, they wanted me to tell them what my husband's first pet was in order to get by the security clearances. And I just thought, that's really silly. I have no idea. And so 1Password is a way in which you can store your, uh, store your passwords for each thing uh, that you have a login for, as well as put in the notes of what your answers to the security questions are. And that way, if I have to change a password for our insurance, I can go in, change it in the app, it changes it on his phone, and the next time he logs in, he's aware of it. Also, it does generate passwords, so we all know we need to keep complex passwords, not reuse passwords from one thing to the next. And so this is another great way in which you don't have to remember it, keep it on your phone, you know, anytime you need to to log into something, it's right there at your fingertips. Cool. Okay. And then, so for Dropbox and One Password, uh, there are both free and paid versions. If you want like more bells and whistles and more storage space. Right. All right. Cool. All right, Kara, you have brought us a couple apps today. 
Pocket? I've never heard of Pocket. Oh, Pocket is um, my helpful way of managing all the things to read on the internet. Uh, oh. So one of my uh, favorite bad habits is to just endlessly get lost in reading article after article and Twitter, and you barely read like three sentences and you skip through. Or someone forwards you an interesting article. Um, so Pocket will clean up the um, interface and save it for you for you to read offline. So what you've got is kind of your a nice magazine. Um, and sometimes I'll deliberately put my iPad in airplane mode so I'm not endlessly down that rabbit hole of the internet at the end of the day. And just I've got some nice like magazine-length articles, long reads to read. Um, and, and you can tag them and hold on to them. They're formatted nicely, so you're not kind of just clicking through a big, long interface. So it, it basically cleans up and, and organizes the internet for you. So things like the New York Times Sunday Magazine always has great articles that I always just miss. Um, so if you're saving something you found on Twitter or someone at work forward you to something interesting, um, just saving that all during the data pocket and then having that to read at the end of the day is just a nice um, compromise between paper books, which are not no longer uh, satisfying my attention span. <laughs> so uh, if you find yourself um, like not with the patience to sit down with a book to read, this is a good uh, interface to just settle down at the end of the day. It's your so, own little pocket. magazine. Yes, it's pocket. <laughs> and is this one free or do you pay for it? Uh, I believe there's a, a there's a free and a paid version. Um, also, you can forward emails into pocket. So oh, if someone nice. sends you an email with an article, you just forward it to pocket to read later and it's in your queue at the end of the day. Cool. So, all right, and the yes. next one we're going to talk about is one that we are all fans of. Yes. Trello. Trello, <laughs> Trello pretty much runs the fool by now in it most really of our does. lives. Between Slack and Trello, oh, that's yes. the only way things get done around here. Absolutely. In fact, the new thing is now, when, instead of someone saying to you, I haven't gotten around to that, so it's on my Trello board. It's on my Trello board, so it's away. So Trello is a to-do list, but it's really beautifully designed based on agile methodology, which is um, basically to-do, doing, done, and then maybe a waiting column. If um, We've talked about David Allen here, getting things done, just a simplified look at, like, what do I have to do next? But it organizes it in terms of visual cards, and for a lot of people, they just find that interface helpful. Um, and the, over the past years, what I love about a good app is one that adds features time over time. It continues to make it better. Um, and Trello does that. You, there's a lot of like filtering and tagging. Um, you can play around with it to make it beautifully visual. Um, mm -hmm. That's a that's also a, a habit of mine to just say, okay, I have this boring meeting, but I'm going to hold up this beautiful organized Trello board. And it looks like I've got something done. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can use it on your own. Uh, you can use it in collaboration with others. So I, I was in a, a team meeting, and I have some teams that people say, I don't really use Trello on my own system, but I can still use Trello to run the meeting, so you can use it at work, but if your workplace doesn't use Trello, it's it's really helpful to use on their own. You can snap pictures of things and upload them. You can save bookmarks like from Pinterest or something else. You could put your pocket articles mm -hmm. on there and save them, and you can physically move them around. Um, there's an iPad, an iPhone, and a desktop app, and they're all. I think what we love about it is just so beautifully designed. Yeah, it's really rewarding mm -hmm. to move like cards to the done column. Yes. <laughs> like you can have the column, you can have the column be whatever you want, but um, yeah. This, this show runs on Trello, too. It yep. does, yes. yeah. All right, so there we go. One password in Dropbox to help you collaborate and get organized and be more productive with your loved ones. And then Trello to get organized with your projects in a very GTD kind of way. See, I'm using the lingo. That's great. That's very impressive. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And then Pocket to help organize all those things you want to read and just save it for the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yay! Thank you guys for joining us for the final, final version, for, or for the final, what do I call it? For the final, there's an installment app. Installment of our series. The final installment mm -hmm. of our series. There's an app for that. Which is also 
your motley, isn't it, Yes, Kara? it is. Every <laughs> fool has a motley. We have our own little phrase or saying, um, and I picked that one because I, I like to look at new technology for the fool all the time. Yeah, and that's why I dragged you in here. (laughs) Anytime. I can talk about apps all day. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All right, thanks. Thank you. All right, that's the show. I want to thank David Gardner for joining us, as well as Mona Shaw and Kara Chambers. We really couldn't do this show without, like, the whole village. (laughs) We could not. (laughs) So we've received a ton of postcards over the holidays from exotic places. I know. We got one from Cody, who works for UNICEF in the Sudan, Bruno in Rio, Patrick from the Grand Canyon, Brent, who is stationed in Kuwait, and Dan and Beth, who went to Keneal Bay. Uh, and I am peanut butter and jealous over that one. It's gorgeous. Ugh. Well, I'm, this, these are all, you guys all live such exciting lives. And can, if we haven't said this already, we hang all those up. They don't go into a pile. Everyone can see these postcards. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, we're very proud of them, that our yeah. listeners are so cool. <laughs> all right, so our email is answers at fool.com. Remember how we set up that phone number for people to leave a question in a message? And then I forgot to go and check the box. There's like 100. No, there's not 100, but I feel bad because people <laughs> left some questions over our voicemail and I forgot to circle back, but not anymore because it's going on my GTD list. There you go. Uh, so, yes, please send us uh, your questions to answers at fool.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 1-800-MRS-FOOL. <laughs> All right. The show is edited productively by Rick Engdahl. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.